today on CityCast DC. This won't surprise you at all, but DC is chock-a-block with trivia nerds. That's why the first ever SporkleCon is happening here this weekend. I'm with District Trivia founder Nick Groves to talk about why pub trivia is so popular in DC and what to expect from the convention. Plus, we're going to throw down on some DC-specific trivia. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. Nick, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. We're here because of SporkleCon, which is this like massive trivia tournament coming to DC, uh, and it kicks off tomorrow. And it makes sense, I guess, that it's happening here because trivia is apparently huge here. Why is that? I have been running trivia in Washington, D.C. now for about 12 years. I've been playing trivia in D.C. pretty much since its inception in the uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Trivia obviously started much before that, but here in D.C. it wasn't much of a thing until the turn of the century, so to speak. Uh, I think the reason it's so big here is because D.C. is a place that attracts intelligence, right? The government that is Washington, D.C. just attracts so many highly educated, highly intelligent, slightly arrogant, wanting to show off personalities so that this area of the world just becomes this magnet for talent. And this gives them an opportunity to show off. Yeah, and it's like an opportunity to show off how smart you are without actually having to converse with people either. Yeah, you know what? There's the introvert (laughs) angle as well. There's a lot of different ways of going about doing a trivia night. The goal of pub trivia anywhere you are in the country, and especially our goal with district trivia here in D.C., is escapism almost. This is a serious town with serious issues and a lot of serious things that, that are dealt with on a daily basis. And... I always view Trivia Night as a place to have fun, a place to hang out, a place to do things, a place to escape from the pressures and the situations of the day and just enjoy yourself, whether that's with friends, whether that's with beer, whether that's by yourself in a corner table, not talking to anybody, just essentially internally competing against yourself. The goal that we have for the events that we put on and trivia in general should be to take that moment of respite away from things that are serious and have a good time. So you you founded District Trivia. When did you found that? 2010. We started running events. Well, you just for people who haven't done it, how does the game work? So the way our game works is that you come into the bar, you will download the Trivia-Matic app, which is something that we built from scratch during the pandemic. Being legally barred from operating the events that we do to make money, we had to find some way to occupy our time. So we... <laughs> Uh, We ended up building a a new piece of software entirely from scratch, entirely proprietary. We run it. We're the only people that run it. And the events themselves, you walk in, there's a host in there. They'll greet you. They'll joke around. They'll have a good time delivering the questions. It's it's a team that you you play with. It is a team. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You come in with friends or family or, you know, even if you're an individual, the host will tend to put you with other people if you so choose. The great thing about the trivia community here in D.C. is everybody is just incredibly well welcoming and the concept of trivia is hey this person even if they're not good at trivia might know that one thing that we need in order to come out on top so absolutely you're welcome on our team you and your team get together the host asks a question 
you put your heads together and come up with an answer and then you submit it and then the high score for the night wins the game. Our format specifically is five rounds of 11 questions. They go from easy to hard. So regardless of your skill level, we will have questions that will appeal to you. And a bonus at the end of every round where you put in a wager. If you get it right, we add it on. If you get it wrong, we subtract it. In between the five rounds of questions, we have picture rounds, puzzle rounds, and fill in the blank rounds. And it's basically two hours of hanging out, having fun, joking with friends, oohs, ahs, boos, and cheers throughout the course of the night. Uh, one of my favorite things is people get to pick their own team names and geekery being geekery, the names are usually pretty good. What are your favorites? Oh God, uh, favorites are hard. I always like topical, right? Whatever, Whatever's going on in the news, whatever can be um, made fun of in any kind of way. The Katanji Brown Jackson Five? Yeah, exactly. This week it was, uh, what kind of woke society do we have to be in where they made a man queen? That one made me giggle. Mm -hmm. The list of the worst team names are obviously easier. The ones that you see week after week, over and over, repetitive. Oh yeah, what are the worst? What's the rating on this podcast? (laughs) Give it a shot, man. Uh, the number of times I've slept with your mother. And then every time you read off the score, that number goes up and up and up throughout the course of the night. Oh, that's hilarious. That's yeah, very, my, very, very hilarious. My couch very. pulls out, but I don't. Is probably the single most used team name in the history of trivia. People, what is wrong with you? <laughs> if you ever go to a trivia night, do not use that name. I can guarantee your host has heard it before and they don't think it's funny. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Can we go back for a second? You said trivia in DC became a big deal in the late 90s. What do you think it was that triggered that? I, it was, I don't know about a big deal, but it started there, right? Because I got to tell you, as a native Washingtonian, we were plenty nerdy before that, too. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. I, I'm also a native Washingtonian, so it's nice you to meet you. Yeah, two out of the five of us are here in this podcast. The idea that, you know, it's the rise of the concept of trivia in general, right? The success of Jeopardy in the late 80s and early 90s. Pub trivia was big in the UK before it came over to the United States. And I just think it took that much time to sort of propagate into a whole bunch of different places. When I started in 2010, maybe one out of every 20 bars in DC had trivia. And that's in 2010. Now, if you don't have a trivia night as a venue in Washington, DC, you are woefully missing out on a huge opportunity with the population and with the people that we have in the area. So you've been doing this a long time. Do you have any secret tricks to offer us, like things to do when you're stumped or ways of getting around trick questions? From a player perspective, I always like to put myself in the position of the person writing or asking the question, right? When you are writing a question, you want the question to be something that is, oh, I know that, but oh, that's very interesting at the same time. The secret that most people don't know is that the trivia host or the person that writes the question for the trivia company, they want you to get the question right, right? Nobody wants to walk into a room and get everything wrong throughout the course of the night. No host wants to run an event where everybody gets everything wrong. We want you to get the question right. So as a result, the question is almost always something that should be gettable. If you have a gut reaction for some reason, go with your gut. You should absolutely know what the answer is and be able to pull it out of somewhere if you know anything about the subject. Now, if it's, hey, we're asking 10 round, uh, ten questions about Arrested Development tonight uh, and you've never seen the show, go get a beer. That's my secondary <laughs> <Right>. advice. <laughs> Wait, so I am told that uh, you, you brought us some uh, questions. I do have some questions. Because we've got some for you too, my friend. 
The ones we came up with or the ones we found are all DC related because nobody loves DC more than CityCast DC. Absolutely. Uh, As as are the ones that I have. Awesome. How should we do this? You go first and then we'll trade off back and forth and I will ask you a question that is uh, appropriately as mean as the one you asked me. Okay. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) The DMV has the U.S.'s largest population of immigrants from which country? Ah, immigrants from which country? The largest population of immigrants from which country? I know that there's a large group of people from Senegal here. I can't imagine that other places have as much of a percentage-wise as a part of it. I'm going to say Senegal. You have the right continent, but the wrong country. It's Ethiopia. Ethiopia, okay. Which dates from the fall of the uh, the, uh, Selassie regime. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Where are we going to go? All right. You probably know that every U.S. state has a roadway named after it in Washington, D.C. Within one, how many are not avenues? Um, Three. Three. Do you want to try to name the three? There's uh, California Street, uh, Ohio Drive, and... um, Washington Circle. Well, uh, there is a Washington Avenue there as is. well. Yeah, so it's oh. two. But you nailed it. California Street and Ohio Drive are are the correct answers. So got it. All right. True or false? There are multiple presidents who have kept alligators in the White House. False. I believe it's just the one. There's not multiple. <laughs> Our Cracker Jack producers tell uh-huh. me. That both John Quincy Adams and, this is a surprise, Herbert Hoover had alligators in the White House. Wow, that is a surprise. I I didn't think Hoover had it in him. No. Why? I wonder why. I mean, John Quincy Adams, I get. And if you had told me it was back to back and maybe it was the same alligator that lived in the White House, that would make sense to me. But that many years apart with that specific kind of animal, that's a weird, that's a weird stat. That's, That's great. All right. Drawing nearly 6 million visitors per year, what is the most visited memorial in Washington, D.C.? Which one is the most visited? I would say it is the Lincoln Memorial. The Lincoln Memorial is correct by a pretty significant margin, actually. Yeah. Eat it, Jefferson. (laughs) All right. Which metro station features a mural by Sam Gilliam? Oh... We did a whole series of Metro art. We actually met, it's one of the cool things that we did as a trivia company was whenever we didn't know something, we went to the source, right? So we asked a question about how many NBA teams are named after mammals. And then we hit a roadblock when we got to the Mavericks. What is the Mavericks named after? And we didn't know because it could be a person, it could be a horse, it could be, you know, the indomitable spirit of the people of Dallas, you know. So we ended up calling the marketing department down in uh, for the Mavericks and they didn't know. And apparently <laughs> we really got a phone call. Work. Yeah, no, we got a phone call back at the end of the week from the VP of marketing of the Dallas Mavericks who basically said you have no idea the storm you set off within the ranks. Apparently it went all the way up to Mark Cuban who went ballistic when nobody in the organization could decide what the team was named after. And they ended up saying that it was in the indomitable spirit of the original owner and founder of the organization. And then the next day, the Wikipedia article changed to reflect that. We did end up, and it's been many years, but we ended up 
talking to the head of the art installation for the DC Metro system, who, which is a job, apparently. We didn't know that at the time. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember where those specific paintings are. I want to say L'Enfant Plaza. It is actually Tacoma Park. Okay. Yeah. So I was just shocked that that's a job. There's somebody whose job it is to curate the art in the Metro stations. That's a really cool job. I yeah. would like that job. I would actually, I would love that job. All right. Which monument in Washington, D.C. was designed by 21-year-old Yale student Maya Lin? Oh, that is the Vietnam Memorial. That is the Vietnam Memorial. Very good. Yep. Well, <laughs> no, there was like a TV movie about it. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right. One last one for you. Sure. I'll, do, I'll give it a two-part one. Okay? okay. Who is Rafael Edmund III and where does he currently live? Rafael Edmund III. And where does he currently live? <sighs> All right. I need an in here. I'm not asking for a help. All right. So this is one of those things where <sighs> I need an in. Okay. So is it a politician? No. Is it a business person? No. Is it a... This is interesting. We're watching, we're listening to a master as he <laughs> as he goes through his method. A master who's 0 for 3. Is it a, is it an animal? That would be an interesting question. Like if that was one of the names of one of the pandas at the zoo. I'm going to go with that, that Rafael Edmund III is in, in the zoo. And then it's the name of one of the animals because... If that's correct, that is an amazing <laughs> trivia question. And if it's wrong, I'm happy with my answer. I think that's actually a perfect technique. But you are dead wrong. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Rafel was uh, the drug lord who terrorized large parts of D.C. in the 80s. And he is currently in the witness protection program. So no one knows where he is. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. So before we go, I want you to tell me a little bit about SporkleCon. Yeah, so SporkleCon is um, a smorgasbord of come out, see all these different groups and different companies and different people doing different things. And you can try out for Jeopardy and you can audition to be on different game shows and you can learn how to run trivia events on your own. And you can play in all of these different games run by all of these different amazing people that are coming in from all over the country. Where's the, the convention? The convention is at the um, the Hilton National uh, in DuPont. It is, as you said, Thursday through Sunday. And I believe you can buy tickets at the door, but you can get them online. Just go to Sporkle.com and look up SporkleCon. But their original convention was closed down due to the pandemic. And when they came back, they decided they were going to come here to D.C. So this is actually D.C.'s first massive gathering for convention purposes, uh, that I'm aware of, at least in the longest time that I've been doing it. I mean, we've had the District Trivia Citywide Finals with 1,200 or 1,400 players at it, but that's more of a one-night event. Dang, and where do you do that? Well, right now, we haven't brought it back yet, post-pandemic, pre-pandemic. We ran that every six months, and we did it at various locations all over the city. My favorite was the years we did it at the Howard Theater, which is just, you know, massive sense of gravitas. But yeah, SporkleCon is, is great. There are people coming in from all over the country. Some of the smartest people in the world are going to be here competing in these events and watching them. Some of the largest trivia podcasts in the country are going to be here recording episodes and hosting events. Trivial Warfare is the big one on Sunday. 
Sunday at noon. So if you want to check that out, I would highly recommend it. I myself am running a district trivia event uh, using our Triviamatic software on Friday night at seven o'clock on the main stage. If you want to come out and hang out, we already have a hundred people that have RSVP'd to the event. So uh, get in early and often uh, to any of these events and check it out. There's so much good trivia that's going to be happening all of this week uh, that you really shouldn't miss it if you have any interest at all in the subject. Nick Groves from District Trivia, thank you so much for being here. Michael, thank you so much for having me. And before you go, here's some quick news. An act to expand D.C. Home Rule has passed through the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. If it makes it through the rest of Congress, good luck with that, it'll be the biggest expansion of Home Rule since it was originally passed in 1973. The bill would give D.C. exclusive authority to both prosecute and grant clemency for D.C. crimes. It would also eliminate the congressional review period for local laws. Meanwhile, the D.C. Council approved the creation of the Office of Migrant Services to help thousands of migrants who have been bused to the district by the governors of Texas and Arizona. The office will provide temporary services to migrants who've come to D.C., but the bill currently says they won't be eligible for a lot of the traditional homeless services. And finally... Park police arrested the man who vandalized the Washington Monument on Tuesday night. The 44-year-old from Indiana splattered red paint on the monument and wrote a less-than-family-friendly message. Have you been effed by this? Gov says tough shit. Crews are currently pressure-washing the monument, but it could take weeks to clean completely as the paint has sunk into the marble. So get there quick if you want to take a look. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. The next time you're doing trivia, tell everyone about this podcast. We promise it'll make you even better at local trivia. And if you subscribe to our newsletter too, man, no one will be able to beat you. Check it out at dc.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. The bill would give DC exclusive authority to both prosecute and grant clemency for DC climb. (laughs) Hmm, hmm, hmm.